Recording's in progress. All right. Hello, Steve. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Good, Good morning. Heaven. Oh, dear. It's all gone wrong, hasn't it? It has. I'm here in Hamburg. I've got I've got the view out of my window, floor to ceiling of the River Elbe and the uh, the new Elbe Philharmonic Concert Hall ah. in the distance, looking like some bizarre castle. Um, yeah, and the water and the boats and the smoke and the frost and the church spires. It's really... I don't know if beautiful's the word for it. Uh, but Andy Warhol said everything is beautiful. Yes. And it, he was right, I suppose. But then he was an artist, and uh, I'm just a singer. Um, but whether it's beautiful or not, uh, it's certainly splendid and huge. And, um, yes, so I'm sitting in my hotel room at the Empire Riverside Hotel mm-hmm. in uh, in Hamburg. And um, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm, I've got a rosy glow because um, the shows have been great. And, and last night's particularly, uh, according to um, Phil, and he, he's usually brutally honest, um, we filmed it as well. So that's good. Uh, provided uh, Torsten's team, um, you know, managed to capture it. Um, it was it, it was one of those shows that flowed. So I feel really good about it. I feel especially good about going home and doing nothing for the for the rest of the the two hours. That's assuming we can get home with all the Heathrow madness. Mm. Um. But at some point today, I'll probably get home, which is great. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, And all is well in my world. Oh, well, we wanted to do a little bit of audio from Hamburg because we've got a a couple of technical challenges, which mean we can't record TCD from there, which is a bit of a shame, but it happens. They're in my brain, unfortunately. And uh, had they not been there, I would have remembered the very small widget thing that I need to plug my microphone in because these new MacBooks don't have proper old-time USB holes. You want one of them, don't you? You don't wave it at me because I'll just get cross. (laughs) Yeah, I've fallen foul of the same thing. (laughs) I have on a number of occasions. Yes. Do you know what you really need? You need a new cable, not a new (laughs) adapter thing, a new cable that's got the right end on it. That's got the correct end. Mm. That is what I need. I you might have one. one. I might have a spare one. If I have, I'll bring it to Oxford for you. Well, I will pay you for it because I'll, do, I'll, I'll don't be daft. Yeah, no, I would, I would, that might help in yes. the long term. Well, funnily enough, I did exactly that. I bought one of those things because I did exactly what you've done, oh. and I was away and I couldn't jump on a call because I hadn't got the widget. The little diddly do. I've got two of them now, but but I t- you tend to leave them on. You do, yes. Home on cables. Yes, I mean normal people leave them, and people with your special skills for leaving things <laughs> must get through hundreds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no hope. No hope at all. So we'll yeah. have to do this. So just for those who are keeping track, it's Tuesday. 
Yes. But we're now going to be recording 137 on Wednesday, but this will go at the beginning of 137. So if you're listening to this on 137, it's Tuesday. But yeah. by the time you get through the intro, it'll be Wednesday. Yes, and with any luck, you'll have it by Friday. By Friday. Saturday, we'll be doing a live one. Any of those things could happen. So one of those weeks. And it could be any one of those things happening. Well, yeah. before you toddle off, um, I think you need to take a photo out your window and pop it on Instagram. I think we all need to see what's splendid out your window. Okay, I will do that. I will do that in a minute. All uh, right, and shall we exit stage left and then come back tomorrow as far as TCD is concerned? Sorry, Lucy. Yes, as far as the Corona Diaries is concerned. Diaries, I quite like that. Diaries. The Corona Diaries. The Corona Diaries. I like that as well. <laughs> I think we need to change all of the intro to include that. Welcome to the Corona Diaries. Um as far as that's concerned, yes, we'd better... Um, we'd better stop. You stop, exactly. So we can start again. So that I can drink my second cappuccino yes. and thrash myself with this birch twig for forgetting the widget right. and right. then photograph my view. Well, have a cappuccino on me. Thank you. I'm popping it in the thought fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ash. Ah, oh, Anthony. How are you? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should I'm indeed. Fine. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. Hello and welcome to Chapter 137 of the Corona Diaries. Hello. 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 I'm a bit worn out because I've just been for a run. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. (laughs) How far are you from toaster? Just out of interest. Oh, toaster. No, I've not ran to toaster. I've ran to the toaster. No, I know. But how Uh, far are you away from toaster? From toaster? Not very uh, far. I reckon probably less less than 10 miles. Should so, I say fewer than 10 miles? I guess if, if I'm thinking of 10 miles as a distance, then less than 10 miles. But if I'm thinking of it as a number, then fewer than 10 miles. And there you go for today's BBC Bite Size on English Language from Steve H. <laughs> fewer is a handy word because it rhymes with manure. So it comes, you know, if, if you're knocking a limerick out. Right. Have you got a limerick with fewer and manure? <laughs> Not and if yet. not, why not? <laughs> I might want to bang one out for the Croncast. I think we need a, a fewer and manure something for the croon. <laughs> really. we the, Just to explain, I, I just said to you I'd been out for a run this morning, and you said if I'd yes. been out for a run, I'd be running straight back to the toaster, didn't you? Oh, uh, yes. 
Yes, not too toasty. Not too toasty. Um, anyway, do you like a slice of toast then, just as a rule? Oh, man, I love toast. But I, I don't eat a lot of it because it's, you know, it, 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 you slam the old weight on if you get too far into the buttered toast. So you've got to keep an eye on yourself. Um, but, uh, yes, oh, God, I'm kill for a Nothing better is there than a, than a, than hot buttered toast. I don't think there especially is, especially on a wintry day. I don't think there is. And you oh, like God. a marmalade, don't you? You're a bit of a marmalade fan. I like Hamblin's marmalade from down the Iffley Road in Oxford. There's a, a bakery down there called Hamblin, and um, we discovered sort of by chance. I think it was Sophie um, bought us an orange marmalade from them. They make their own, and it's it's. God's own ultimate marmalade. And also, I occasionally have um, billionaire's jam. I've got a friend now who's a billionaire, and um, when she's not hedge funding and making herself an utter fortune, and everybody else, I guess, um, she goes back to the enormous house on the hill <laughs> and makes jam and pops them round the back of our house. Um, so we've got some red gooseberry jam that she made and it's just fantastic. And then she made some plum compote, which is also better than anything I've tasted in my life. You know, in the jam area, obviously yeah. I'm not, not, I don't mean better the jam than arena. anything I've ever tasted, but in the, in jam city, um, it's, jam um, city. it's, t- <laughs> It's at the top of the skyscraper in Jam City, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, no, because you're going to be back on all of that, aren't we? Here After our little Hamburg. <laughs> Success City, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I spent no, all Bob of Morton. yesterday laughing about the thought fridge. And the thing is, for mm. everybody who's listening, you've only just heard it, and I've had a whole day of, of, of chuckling about it. That, I can't take credit for that. That was Bob. He's, <laughs> He's a genius. He's a genius. So just, just, so obviously it's Wednesday now. It was literally less than five minutes ago. It was Tuesday, but yeah. it's now, yeah, it's now it's Wednesday. Funny how, funny how time flies at our age, doesn't it? It, it? Oh, it's incredible! It's incredible. And you're back where you should be because there's a rug behind your head. I'm back where I should be in my room, which has been rearranged and then put back. And I, I'm now sharing the room with a, uh, a Yamaha drum kit, which was uh, donated by the extraordinary Louis Jardine for my son's education and entertainment and uh, Lynetta and I's general torture. Um, and um, and I've moved around, and it was good, really, because my music room was in a state and did need a bit, a bit of. It needed emptying out and everything. And Putting it back together again. Well, we'll not go over that too much because we did do up. that. No, no, let's we, not we, talk about tidying no, we, up because that's not well, interesting to the good people. Well, well, it's, well, it probably is, but we did do it last week. So you get enough I've, tidying up in your life, don't you, without tuning into people talking about it. Well, funnily enough, though, you see, because yeah. of the comments we had for 136, Janine Tring, hmm. oh, uh, and Janine's profile pic is her uh, redoing the album cover of .com, which is, which is fantastic, Janine. That's a great piece of work, that. Um, wow. And 
she normally listens to the for- first portion of TCD on my headphones while doing my hoovering on a Saturday morning. So last week's really resonated with her because she was hoovering as you were talking about hoovering. She must have uh, either a very quiet hoover or very loud headphones or noise-cancelling headphones. Or you'd never hear it, would you? I well, mean, well oh, I funny enough, I didn't go to the technicalities of it, but I kind of need to know now. Janine, you're going to have to tell us. Uh, notes for 137. Is your hoover quiet or are your headphones loud? It's got to be one or the other. It has got to be one or the other. Um, now, on the back of 136, we had probably more comments on the back of 136 in, <laughs> in the Patreon feed than I think any other episode, and I can't quite work out why, but I'm going to go through a few of them. Okay, so bear bear with me on this. So, first up, Andy Meany. Haven't heard from Andy for a little while. Hi, Andy, how are you? Legend. Didn't Paul Oakenfold say he played one of the Positive Light songs until it had worn out? I think that's that's what I heard. I never heard it from Paul Oakenfold because I've never met him. But I did hear through the grapevine that Oakenfold was playing it. So that's great because he Mm. was... um, Quite, quite the star. I don't know if he still is down in Ibiza, but uh, he's definitely a name, isn't he? So that's great. I still see his name on posters underneath arches in dodgy parts of town, so I think he must be a bit of a draw still. Either that or he's taken up prostitution. Oh, I'm sure he's very good at that as well. <laughs> uh, well, we're Mans- all very good at that, darling. <laughs> we showbiz folk do anything for a fiver. Uh, John Nicholas... <laughs> Uh, changing yes. the subject again. Why don't you nick some of H's tequila and get him to reproduce <laughs> the um, videos that we put on last week's episode? So if you play Back in Black, then <laughs> I, I've either got to locate a frying pan or a mallet, or I could always <laughs> borrow a candelabra or an offertory plate from the church. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I well. think it's a bit mean, but it seems to be what the public want. It, yeah, it's hard to comment on that observation, really, other than to say, you know, up yours or whatever. <laughs> but, it, but it was very entertaining, wasn't it, that woman and that bloke with that pan? I think, it, I don't know if it's split, because I showed it to Alison and she didn't get it. And yet I was wetting myself. She uh, didn't find that funny? She didn't find it funny. She thought it was a little bit cruel. Well, she's obviously well. That's a very good sign of your of this, the the uh, the health of your relationship because you know if if she didn't hold you in such high regard, I think she might have found it very funny indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a good sign. Oh, excellent, excellent! I'll mention that to her in passing. <laughs> um, Sandra Garbett. I think it's pronounced Garbett, G-A-R-B-E-T-T. Garbett, uh, yeah. Just want to say that I love the podcast and thank thank you for taking the time to do this for us. So first time she's ever put anything on. So I just wanted to say yeah. it's a pleasure, Sandra. And thank you for Sandra, joining in. It is. Thanks for listening and thanks for commenting. And you're Wonderful. bloody welcome. Excellent. So now we get on to the really exciting bit from the comments because we still only part way through. Speedway. Ooh. Speedway set off a whole <laughs> manner anyway, yeah. of interaction. <laughs> yes, I, no- I noticed the comments light up at the mention of Speedway. You'd just it- never guess, would you? No. So, the incredibly named Kester Roper, what a great name, <laughs> K-E-S-T-E-R, and then R-O-P-E-R, Kester Roper, brilliant name, Kester. Um, I wonder if he's anybody's uncle. He'd be Uncle Kester, wouldn't he? But anyway... Cool. 
carry on. Uncle Kester. Um, <laughs> the speedway that you referred to was probably at Halifax, Bradford, or maybe Bellevue. I think it might have been. Well, Bellevue's in Doncaster, isn't Doncaster. it? Doncaster. Got to be somewhere near Doncaster because the old um, Donny Rovers back in the day when I saw George Best, um, they played at Bellevue. They don't anymore. They, they, I think they, they knocked it down or something, turned it into mm. a, into a McDonald's, and uh, it's now the Keep Moat. It is stadium. The keep moat. They've got mm. a new stadium. I've never been, but um, Bellevue was Donny Rovers' pitch. But I don't think that was the Bellevue that had the speedway. Um, but that sounds favourite to me. I don't, you know, I only went once and I was very young. I, I, what I remember most of all was the mud and all the bikes going sideways. Um, I don't remember a particularly long road trip, so it might not have been Halifax. It must have been somewhere quite close to home. Hmm. I'm, I'm really surprised you didn't take note, thinking that, you know, 40 odd years down the line, I'll be on a podcast. <laughs> when, I, when I'm 66, I'm going to need to talk about this. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, I think it was probably Bellevue. That sort of rings a bell, but it probably only rings a bell because of the, the footy. Um, well, Steve Evans, the man who started all this off, uh, the chap who, who uh, would like to use uh, the Star Spangled Banner, he also said possibly oh, yeah. also Sheffield, Scunthorpe or Hull. So Steve is clearly, I mean, we know he lives in the US, but clearly he's still got one foot in the UK scene. Yeah, he knows his northern parts, doesn't he? He knows his northern speedway, man. yes, yeah. uh, without a shadow of a doubt. But then, of course, our fan favourite, Morton Bay, jumped in, mm. not to be left out. More Speedway age, you should ask Lynetta about Speedway and Ollie Olsen. In the late 70s and 80s, Speedway was almost as big as football in Denmark, and Ollie Olsen was the man. Right. That kind of rings a bell, you know. I wonder if he was racing that day. That's that's a name I've heard before, Ollie Olsen. So yeah, I think he, he he may you know he may have been on the speedway radar even in the north of England. If he, I mean, if he was if he was the man, then mm. he was probably like the Franz Clammer of speedway. Or the, something, yeah, indeed. So indeed, because so we, we got Franz Clammer in as well, didn't we? That went we in the notes as well. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we got Franz Clammer in. <laughs> I know, I know. It's hard to believe how this thing rolls. Um, but then, not to be outdone. Uh, yeah. Not to leave Morton's statement just just there beautifully just on its own. It. Steve Evans had another go. Steve's back yeah. again. Ollie's oh, son know. promotes the Vo. I, I can't pronounce this V O J E N S track. It's obviously a place in Denmark. Vo would that be Voyens? Could be Voyens. Oh, I, I could. I, I'm ashamed to say that I live. I've lived with the Dane for a very long time, and I still haven't learned the lingo. And I might have to do something about that. I might, I might make a commitment to learn Danish next year. Um, I Lucy thought you were going to say you were going to get divorced. <laughs> yes, I could. I'm going to marry someone whose language I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> it always helps. Always helps. Yeah. Find yourself a lass from Baltry. You'll be fine. <laughs> One night stands, not so much, but you know, for a committed relationship. It's good if you speak the language. <laughs> so anyway, Ollie's son promotes the, and we don't know how to pronounce it, insert proper correct pronunciation, track in but, Denmark. 
Well, it's got to be Voyens. It's got to be Voyens. They pronounce because because Jens is J E N S, isn't it? That's yes. How they spell so it's got to be Voyens, hasn't it? Yes. All right, let's Voyance. go with that then. Based yeah. on that logic, at least it we'll has go got. Yeah, thank God it's not got a D in it. Or, or then you're into deep water, right? And apparently they Steve- pronounce D as a D, so then you're into deep deep water. <laughs> well, going back to Steve, he was there in Denmark with the U.S. national team. In July. Wow. Wow. Just on, off the charts, isn't it, this? All, you'd, all we've yeah. done is mention Speedway, and it's off the charts. Oh, perhaps I could, you know, go round on the back of one of them. <laughs> That'd be nice. In one of those like little, you know the little things you put small children on the back of a bike? Or I could go in a sidecar or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a Wallace and yeah. Gromit style. <laughs> Sideways. In a lot of mud. Yeah. No, that would be the death of me one way or another. I'm, I'm in awe of people who take their life in their hands like that. Yeah. Nuts. I don't, I don't know if awe's the... But yeah, I know what you're saying. I know. Um, <laughs> Freaky Frauke Roberts. Oh, Frauke. Yes. Mm. Uh, just just had to say Hamburg and Currywurst, Fantastic. Um, but would you be careful when you use phrases like uh, I was walking around with a permanent erection because it causes a little bit of distress uh, right. for some of our listeners? So maybe Frauke, that that's not true, Frauke. It was just I was just romancing. I, I've never walked around with a permanent erection. It's always faded away after a couple of hours. <laughs> oh, we're on little blue pills, right? Um, and then the only thing we've got left from the, but the, what an epic set of notes, folks. I mean, literally, that's the entire that's that's one three seven's content you've written. So thank you very much. You're very very kind. Um, but Gabriella uh, came in and told us all about where Bochum was. So my question I met to you, Gabriella, gonna... I met her in Bochum uh, afterwards. I I did the autographs and the selfies, and I met her and said hi, hi Gabriella, hi Gabriella. So she she enlightened us all to where Bochum actually is. But do you now know? If I'm honest, no. Right. And if you tell me, which you're about to, I am because I will. I still won't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> but, but have a go. Well, it's exactly in the middle between Dortmund, Oberhausen, and Essen, and it's in the Ruhr area, and it's Good. also known as the Ruhr Pot. And coal used to be mined there. Oh, really? So it was something of an industrial town. It was probably... something, yeah, exactly that. Oh, it got going. Uh, and when she moved there, Ooh. the last mines were closing. Uh, but the winding towers are still there, apparently. And they are cultural, they're, they're seen as cultural sites now. Right. A bit like Donny, then. A bit like Donny. Yeah, because yeah, we've got a lot of winding towers around where we are still, haven't we, from where the pits have closed. Quite a lot of them dotted about. Yeah, I think they left a few of them up. I mean, a lot of them went, but I think they left... A few up as a sort of a a reflection of the heritage of the place, heritage Worth of the town place. and all of it. Mm. Um, well, I wonder what Buckham means. Does it does it mean anything? Ooh, you know? ooh. You see, I don't know, but do you know what? Somebody's going to tell us. That's I don't even need to look yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's a li- it's this is a bit like having our own version of Alexa. It is, yeah. Because we throw with a bit things of a time out. Delay, but yeah, we'll be inundated with. Uh, with facts and and 
probably a couple of points of view. Oh, I would imagine so. I would imagine mm. so. Um, so anyway, back to where we were this week. So obviously, mm. you in Hamburg, when I spoke to you yesterday, you're now back, getting ready for Oxford. Oh, All oh. great. One thing I wanted to ask, because obviously you've been to Germany for three gigs, haven't you? Yes. So when you do something of that sort of size, what do you actually take with you? in terms of people and in terms of stuff, and how do you manage it? Because I know how it works when the band are going. Great big trucks yeah, and, and Charlie, trucks Charlie and comes along and all that. I get all that. God knows what, yeah. No, when, uh, when I do the solo shows, it's just me and Phil Brown. Phil Brown is sound, and uh, he's sound in both senses. And he comes with me, he sort of tries to look after me, tidies up after me, tries to make sure we don't miss the fly, not always successfully. And um, and he does sound, and he plugs my piano in for me and, and sorts everything out, shouts at people. He's very good at that. He's, he's a fearsome character when, uh, when he's dealing with... Um, people who, who haven't provided what they promised they would provide and all of that, then he, he, get, he becomes fearsome and things get sorted out. So he's an absolute um, treasure. Um, and um, it's just the two of us. So we just kind of groove around. We, we, uh, we meet up at the airport. We fly together. We travel together. And we, um, we socialize whenever we've got a spare minute. And uh, he's he's a joy to be around, and uh, I've I've got complete confidence in him. Obviously, hmm. so you don't take anything then. Piano, it's whenever you get there, the piano is what the piano is. Well, we we specify um, what we need, and they right. usually hire what we need. Um, I've been using P two fifties a lot uh, over the years. That's a Yamaha piano, I'm becoming a bit of an antique now. Um, but um, I, I get those supplied, a P250 or a P300, which is very similar. Um, and they, they rent them in, and the PA is usually supplied locally. Yeah. And Phil travels with a, a Pelly case, which is a big sort of hard plastic suitcase kind of thing, a sort of halfway between a suitcase and a flight case full of um, microphones and mic leads and DI boxes and all the crucial stuff that they'll probably fail to supply, or if they do, they'll be rubbish. So he... I did a little involuntary snort then. Did you hear it? I did hear it, yes. I was quite impressed, actually. I don't know where that came from. Uh, But anyway, apologies for the involuntary snort. Normally happens Um, when you laugh, doesn't it? It's normally a laughing thing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It obviously happens when I talk about the eye boxes and microphones as well. Um no, it didn't that time. No. So um yes, he takes all the the stuff that that without which the show would be probably ruined uh in a in a case. And that's it. And we just travel like that. And does he take the little QSC mix with him or does he just rely on what's there? No, he specs that as well. I think right. he had a little Midas in um, in Germany, which right. looked very nice to me, although I don't know much about him. Right, right. So it is literally the two of you, you know, backpack, away, stuff's there when you get there, plug in. Yep. Whatever yep. the phrase from the 60s He, he usually pr- prepares things for me. 
Uh, he gets. He usually gets in the venue quite early. Um, you know, in the mornings, and by mid afternoon, everything's kind of the PA's EQ'd, and he's got a vocal sound, and uh, my monitors are set up. Oh, that's the other thing I carry. I carry my in ears. Um, carry my in ear monitors, which are just you know earplugs in a little box, um, and I don't use radio systems. Because I'm sat down, so I mm. just plug them straight in. Um, I had a bit of trouble with them in Hamburg. Got a feeling I might have blown one of the drivers. Hopefully, either that or I've got temporary deafness, and, and both are equally likely. Um, so we'll have to check those out before I go to Oxford. Otherwise, I'll be... Um, I'll be Well, I think I've got the old ones at, at the racket club. I think Frenchie was going to sort them out for me. Right. And then the only other thing I was going to ask, just about logistics, and sorry, to, I'm, I find all this fascinating, but when you're in Germany, do you fly between venues then, or do you, how did the two of you get from in between the three no, venues? T- you went uh, to? Torsten, the promoter, rocked up with a, a sort of a minibus thing, or, well, more of a van, but it was, it was configured inside like a minibus. And we drove. All right. uh, we we flew into Cologne Airport, drove to Bonn, which wasn't far. Then drove to Bochum, uh, which wasn't that far either. And then um, after the Bochum show on the morning of the Hamburg show, we 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 drove to Hamburg from Bochum, and that was quite a way. That was a good three and a half hours or so. Right. So we were out of there at eight thirty in the morning, uh, which was a bit ugly. Um, so Hamburg was a long day, especially for Phil. I, I I had a few hours off where I could chill out and relax and recharge my batteries a bit, but poor old Phil was, was at it all day long. And that was made worse by the fact that Torsten then wanted to go down the Reaper barn and buy a currywurst um, at the end of the what had already been a very long day. But um, I wasn't really... I went and had a currywurst, but I, I didn't... Savour the delights of the Raper Barn. <laughs> Although I was made a couple of offers on the walk back to the hotel. But I wasn't flattered. I think it was just business. Mm. I'm not going to... There's so many lines I could have used there. And I'm not going to go with any of them. <laughs> All right. Leave, just leave that alone. I'm leaving that alone. I'm leaving that well alone. Um, should we go for a bit of diary? Um, yeah. Which I've actually read, actually. Have you? Good, because I haven't. Where, Have you where, not? Where, where, where am I going? Um, well, you're definitely you're definitely heading in the in the Riga direction. I seem to recall. Oh, oh yes, of course we were uh, on the Lesser Smart tour, weren't we? We did the Baltic states. Yeah, we'd done Tallinn, done Tallinn, and then we went to Riga and Vilnius. I think. Don't know how much I wrote about Vilnius and Riga, but they're both really interesting cities. If you haven't been, they're worth a look. The um, the old town in Riga is very, very pretty. And uh, Vilnius is, I wouldn't say Vilnius is pretty, but it's impressive in a kind of Eastern Bloc post-Soviet sort of way. It's got all of those statues of working people striving, you know, that were very popular. Wasn't Vilnius era. a big navy port for the Russians? Is that right? Cool. Now you got me. It's on a river. Uh, I don't know. Right, I only because, and, and my source material here is very sketchy, but I seem to hmm. rec- recall Vilnius is the port in um, the Hunt for Red October. There you are. 
I mean, you won't know because you don't watch films. But um, oh, that's a submarine, isn't it? And yeah. That was Sean Connery, and I remember seeing the posters. It was. I saw the movie. Sean Connery sounding like Sean Connery, even though he was Russian. <laughs> Chanish. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> right, let's go and find, see if Sean was floating around Vilnius. <laughs> yes. Dive, 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 dive. Monday, 9th of November, Tallinn. Managed to lie in till 10 o'clock and caught the last few seconds of breakfast before the staff started locking up the cereals. The bags were being collected at 12, so I showered and packed and dropped my suitcase in the hall. I thought I'd go for one last wander round old Tallinn before we left at 2. Walked up into the square and took a few photographs. Found a gallery selling ceramics and glass and had a mooch around. Bought a couple of little shot glasses for a souvenir. Lynetta and I will share a Christmas toast in them, if I don't lose or break them before I get home. Returned to the hotel, stopping to take the occasional snapshot as I walked. We left the hotel at two o'clock and bundled into a van which took us to the airport for the flight to Vilnius. All the Baltic flights were to be in those Fokker propeller planes. Not much room in them, and they do tend to blow around in the sky somewhat. Anyway, the flight was fine, and I slept a little, so the time passed quickly. We deplaned, as the Americans say, and were bussed into the airport, which looks more like a branch of Barclays Bank. Another van took us to the hotel in Vilnius, a far less appealing high-rise than the lovely old hotel in Tallinn. But hey, you only sleep there. My room was on the 13th floor by the lift. Made a date with Rothers to go out for dinner, but when I got upstairs I couldn't face a trip out in the cold mist and rain of Vilnius, so I ordered a club sandwich on room service, stuck BBC News 24 on the telly and spent an hour or so looking at email. The news of the day was the 20-year anniversary celebration ceremony of the taking down of the Berlin Wall. The European leaders were all there, making speeches. Sarkozy made a particularly unimpressive speech about the importance of France and Germany as leaders of Europe. That wouldn't have endeared him much to the Brits. Gordon Brown followed him and made what I thought was the best speech I've heard him make full of compassion and a proactive, optimistic vision for the future of Europe and the world. I'm naturally sceptical of politicians, but it actually brought a lump to my throat. He's riding the whirlwind at the moment, and he'll almost certainly get voted out at next year's general election by the, in my opinion, self-seeking Etonian in middle-class clothing, David Cameron but I suspect Brown does actually have the vision thing in a Quaker humanistic way that Blair never had. I'm reminded of the Russians booting out the great Mikhail Gorbachev in favour of the opportunistic Boris Yeltsin, or kicking out Ken Livingstone for Boris Johnson. We all make the same mistakes. Anyway, I digress. Hillary Clinton was next up. She made a good speech too 
but Brown was a tough act to follow, and her acknowledgement of the role the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church had played in the fall of the wall had, to my ears, a faint whiff of electioneering back home. Barack Obama sent a message by video. Then, last but not least, was Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor. Looking like she'd just got up, bad hairdo, no makeup, she told us how she was one of those people in East Germany who were trapped in the Eastern Bloc like so many others until that fateful day in November 1989 and the amazing feeling that freedom at last had come to her country. Incredible that she's now Chancellor of a united and peaceful, some would say pacifist, Germany. She, like Gordon Brown, only more so, seems to me to exude a sense that her work and her position are far too important for her to be bothered by the fripperies of image. She praised Poland for its part in the process that would send communism tumbling, the strike by the shipyard workers' union Solidarność. She praised Hungary, Czechoslovakia, and she said Poland would never again need to fear its neighbour. I like her. Lech Wałęsa was there and pushed the first domino, just as he had in real life. Later there were fireworks, to which TV can never begin to do justice. You have to be there, and I really wish I had been. I went to bed and continued watching the rolling coverage whilst talking to Lynetta on Skype. She's at her mum and dad's at the moment in Denmark. She sounded well, if a little tired. Kids, innit? Tuesday, 10th of November. Vilnius, Congress Concert Hall. Got up and went down to the breakfast room where I had a bowl of muesli with Pete T and Pete Guitartek. Back upstairs for more emailing about mortgages and borrowing, which I won't bore you with. Still don't know if the house rebuild project is a goer, but I really hope we can pull it together. I decided to go out and find old Vilnius, so I wrapped up warm to brave the cold, damp air and went out, crossing the river and following my nose until I came across a hair salon where I bought some odd hair gel and asked directions. Walked for another 20 minutes and I found the old town wasn't all that old, but a bit like Bond Street, and quite posh. I wasn't seeing Vilnius at its best as the rain drizzled down, so I gave up and walked back to the hotel, bumping once again into Pete T, who walked back with me. He couldn't find the old town either. Returned to my room for ten minutes to look at more email about mortgages and house buying and selling, before going down to reception to climb into the van and to the gig. The hall was a 700-capacity-ish wood-panelled concert hall, more used by classical artists than rock and rollers. In fact, the crew had had to wait to set up while an orchestra finished rehearsing. There was a very nice Steinway grand piano at the side of stage. Unfortunately, it had been tuned to A442 that morning for the orchestra. Unlike the West, where we use the A440 standard, the East tunes 2 hertz sharper. We could only use the Grand by having it tuned down to A440, or it wouldn't be in tune with our instruments. This would take an hour or more, and we really didn't have the time. Shame. Soundcheck passed without much incident, and we returned to the dressing room. Along the corridor, an orchestral brass section were rehearsing, 
so we all went up the corridor to have a listen. The venue manager mistook our curiosity for irritation and went into the room to tell them to shut up, while we tried to communicate to her that we were actually just trying to listen. It's an early show in Vilnius, so there wasn't much time between sound check and show. The show wasn't very well attended. I think there were about 350 people in, but they seemed to be listening and enjoying the show. I thought we played well, and it turned out to be a slow burner. The crowd gradually warmed up throughout the evening. Like the Baltic shows, they're more reserved than our fans in Western Europe, but at the end of the show, they rose to their feet as one, and demanded two encores in no uncertain fashion. We were bussed back to the hotel, and I realised I hadn't eaten at all today, so it was arranged for us to have dinner in the hotel restaurant. Unfortunately, it was getting late, and I didn't get an order in until almost 11pm. By 11.20, nothing had arrived, so I abandoned the idea and went to bed. Really must eat tomorrow. Wednesday, 11th of November. Riga, Congress Centre. Up early for an 8.15am departure. That's 6.15 in England. Checked out and climbed into a van which took us to Vilnius Airport for the flight to Riga. We were on another Air Baltic Fokker, prop-powered and mightily cosy inside. I never managed to get my animal snowboarding jacket off before passing out. Slept for the whole flight and didn't notice take-off from Vilnius any more than I noticed landing in Riga. We were bussed to the Maritim Hotel a conference hotel on the outskirts of the city. My room was quite nice and spacious. There was a view across the city, and I could see a distant ship in the docks. There's also a strange three-legged metal structure, which disappeared into the low cloud. I never saw the top of it the whole time we were there. Andrea, the promoter, had arranged club sandwiches and soup for the band and crew at 12.30, so I went back downstairs for what was a very welcome and free lunch. Nice touch. I like this promoter. He's not making a great deal of money from these shows, but he's doing all he can to make us comfortable. I went back upstairs and emailed for a while. Tried to sleep for an hour, but I didn't quite manage it. Frenchy texted to say there was food at the gig arranged for 5.30 before soundcheck. I really fancied a look round old Riga. We've been to Riga once before, many years ago in 1993, and I never had chance to see the old town back then. I called Frenchy to see if there was any way the promoter could be persuaded to organise me a car into the old town. He called back to say it was sorted, and that Max, the local promoter, who I also liked immediately, would pick me up at four o'clock. Sure enough, he was waiting for me downstairs, and we travelled into town in his Mercedes Jeep, one of those old square Russian-looking ones. I'd always wanted one of these, and never had a ride in one, so I enjoyed rattling along into town chatting to Max about rock and roll and touring in Russia, something we have yet to experience. Max dropped me in Riga, Old Town, around 4.30. It was already dark. He said he'd pick me up at the same spot at 5.30, so I walked into a large square and then along the medieval-looking streets past the churches, taking photographs as I wandered. 
Old Riga is lovely and thoroughly worth another visit when I'm not working. It would be very pleasant to come back with Lynetta and stay in one of the hotels here in the old town. Beautiful buildings competed for my attention in every direction as I made my way along the cobbled streets. Everywhere there were little restaurants, bars, shops selling amber and local crafts, but I also passed art galleries and through one window what looked like a small library where a business meeting was taking place. Riga seems to be a really vibrant place. I wouldn't mind living here. I found a bar called The Victory, a sort of Latvian idea of an English pub, and made my way inside to escape the chilly weather. I sat at the bar and drank an Irish coffee, while a curious eclectic mix of music came out of the speakers behind the bar. I remember Blur and ACDC. At 5.30, I jumped back into Max's waiting Merc Jeep and returned to the gig for soundcheck. And we're back. Yay! We've just been talking about love, actually, haven't we? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm all about love, actually. Being a washed-up rocker myself, as well, you called me. I, I, I suggested mm. the character who is a washed-up rocker and you, and there was parallels, that was all. Get Anthony Short. <laughs> um, right, Anyway, okay. Oxford well, would have been nice, out. but I'm clearly not invited, so that's fine. <laughs> Um, What's a relief is that nobody suggested Bill Nye to play me in a movie. So thank you for that, everybody. Anthony obviously was came in late. Came in late. Came yeah. in on the rails with Bill Nye. There I was, dreaming of Al Pacino, and I got a, a Bill Nye. I think Bill Nye is a national treasure. I'm sorry, well, I just yeah. think he's great. Absolutely no, great. Yes, yeah. no, um, lovely diary reading and, and, and lots of imagery. And you write about the, your places, about Vilnius, about Riga. Very, 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 very nice. And I've got a soft spot for that kind of Eastern Bloc thing as well. I'm with you. I think there's something brutal but beautiful about a lot of it. Mm. Um, but I don't want to talk about that. You go no. on. For the first time in the diary, you have a nearly a page full of political rant. Oh, God, do I? Because it was you were watching the the um, anniversary of the wall coming down in Berlin, mm. and you were you commented on the speeches of Sarkozy, which you thought was a bit right. naff, right? But then you got almost gooey eyed about Gordon Brown's speech, right? Um, and I went on remember. to say how impressed you were with Gordon Brown. Yeah, I've always been impressed by Gordon Brown. As a you know, as a human being, I think his heart's in the right place. I think he's a he's the he's what he pretends well not pretends he's what he he purports himself to be, which is a sort of old old school Scottish Presbyterian. Um, and he, he's you know he's he cares, um, and uh, I like I like him. He's never come across to me as a as a cynical politician. And I agree, and I've grown to like Gordon Brown far more as, as we've gone on, actually. Right. Um, I think it was an unfortunate piece of timing. I mean, you mentioned in the piece that um, you thought he would lose the election, and you put, and he'll almost certainly get voted out at next year's general election by the, in my humble opinion, self-seeking, Etonian and middle-class clothing David Cameron. Yeah. How yeah. right were you on that one? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you didn't have to be Nostradamus to see that coming, really. No, but um, as as a piece of Nostrahogarth goes, <laughs> you got quite a lot right in that because you also oh. talked about Merkel saying she didn't look like she had enough. She had so much to be getting on with that getting together for a celebration and a speech got in the way of the stuff she wanted to do. I was always very impressed by her as well, mainly because she always looked like shit. Uh which, you know, she she wasn't someone who spent a lot of time preening herself or worrying about her image. She was just getting on with the job. Um, and that's what you want. You want, hmm. you know, I mean, Ang- Angela Merkel, she didn't ooze charisma, but she got stuff done and... Um, you know, love or, or you know, lover or hater. I I know there was a lot of divisiveness in Germany over the op, Im, immigrant open door policy that she had. Um, but I personally, you know, as an old hippie, just think she she was just recognizing the fact that we're all just people, and that when we're desperate, you know, and and our houses are destroyed and our homes are gone. Surely anyone with an ounce of humanity welcomes such people in and tries to help rather than, you know, builds a wall to keep them out. And she didn't. She let them all in. And and I know that caused social problems. And I know that, the you know, maybe the Swedes have overdone it as well. There's so many immigrants in Sweden now that, that I think something like 60% of the Swedish population is now, you know, recent immigrants. And, of course, the the culture is buckling under the weight of that. So I guess there's a point where you've got to, you've got to bear those things in mind. But I think, I think Angela Merkel was a good, a good egg. It's, you know, I never met her, so what the hell do I know? But that's my instinct. Well, I think you were very right, because I think you were right about her... And I think you were very right about Gordon Brown. And I think certainly Gordon Brown's a person that history is is treating, I think, relatively well. Far better than it's he was treated at the time. Far better than the electorate. Uh, and, and, and had they voted him in, this country might be a much better place right now. Yeah. I, in I, my I, opinion. I, I, and I, I, do you know what? I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. I, I'm quite fine with that. Anyway, but that was the bit in the diary that that, that chimed. Uh, but the other bits, amazing. Love a little diary entry. Great. Um, we we're obviously in prep. In fact, we were just talking about things for Friday, weren't we? Um, a little reminder: the live stream's available for sale still, isn't it? Yes, on Saturday. Sorry, don't Saturday. tune in on Friday. Friday. I won't be there. No. I've been doing I did that this morning. I got up and thought it was Friday. I thought, oh my God, I've only got two days. Oh my God, oh my God. And then and then I had a realisation that I'd got three days. That was lovely. Um, which means I can go and see my daughter instead of spending all day running about prepping. Um, so that's fantastic. And um, yeah, Saturday, at, uh, I'll, I'll be on stage at eight o'clock. British time, whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> well, I've lost track myself. <laughs> but uh, when it when it's eight o'clock in in England, whatever whatever that is, that GMT still. It must still, still be GMT, mustn't it? Is it GMT? Does does, does that move when you when the hour moves? Does GMT move with it? 
I've never been quite sure. Ah, I see what you're saying now. So is it? Are we actually technically GMT plus one or minus one? Or I think yeah, it just moves. That. I think it just. I moves. have a lot of trouble with that bloody MacBook calendar because <laughs> <laughs> I put things in at three o'clock and it says they're at four o'clock. Um, but that's just me being an old fart and not pressing the right buttons. I think. We must always have that problem because we do tend to say that we'll talk at ten. <laughs> but I, I never thought that was anything to do with the calendar. I just we've only ever we've only ever we've only ever said tenish. We've, we've, we've been realistic. We are we are, we are very very realistic <laughs> about our abilities to be where we should be. There's only two tenish on on Mondayish. Mondayish. Oh, that reminds me. I can't do Monday next week. I'm going to London for the day. It'll have to be Tuesday. Oh, how lovely! Yes, we go with the fam to see the lights. Oh. Oh, go to the old, uh, go to the what's it? Go to the Wolseley for an have uh, afternoon tea. Oh, we'll do that. In the Wolseley restaurant next door to the Ritz. Okay. Did it's, you know there was somewhere else you could go? thoroughly recommended. In London to play what? Monopoly. There's life-size Monopoly in London now. Wow. Is there really? Yeah. Do you actually get thrown in jail? Yeah. Well, I actually, I've not thought about that. You get arrested. It's a bit harsh. <laughs> Banged up. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, yeah. You what probably for, do if sure. you try and buy Mayfair, to be honest. Someone would come looking for you. Listen, how could we have a system that would be so cruel to throw you in jail? It's not like Suella Brabham is the Home Secretary or anything. <laughs> it's, but, not like some, it's not like there are rich Russians trying to buy Mayfair or no, anything. No, no, um, no. The other, one little thing before we before we go, and obviously going back to Oxford on Saturday, um, how far away is that, the marmalade shop then? Can't be far away, can it? No, I mean, it's, if it's not too cold, you. Could, I mean, it's a walk. It's probably about three or four hundred meters down the Earthly Road, uh, going going away from the town centre. Right. But once you. you once you pass the church, it's on the same side. It's on the left as you face away from the town centre, um, and it's called Hamblin's. It's a bakery, and go and buy the marmalade. It's fantastic, and so is everything else. To be honest, the bread's amazing. They do little pizzas. They do even. Sort of um, artisan chocolate as well. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, my next jar of Hamblin marmalade will be free, having plugged the place so heavily. Well, I was, I was going to put a link in the notes. So, <laughs> you know, Hamblin. Really? Well, great. C- copy them in and all sorts and see what happens. Well, if, you know, one of the things that's wrong with our bloody country and is that there aren't enough. Independent shops and, no, the, and the independent shops and bakeries aren't supported, and they're charged so much in rent that they, you know, even the people that try and do it usually end up blowing their uh, life savings at some point and, and going tits up. So, um, kudos to anybody who's running an independent shop or anything independent, because without you. The, the you know the lifeblood of a culture just dries up, so um, yeah, I'm I'm more than happy to plug Hamblin's. Right, you will see it in the notes, folks. Uh, for those of you who are coming on Saturday, we're really looking forward to seeing you. Yes, um, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Bit frightened, obviously, as usual. I know I've got nothing to be frightened of. That's what you'll say, but I still am. 
Uh, it's a lot of responsibility, and trying not to fuck up is always uh, scary. What we could do to to alleviate some of this is if we got if we could get hold this week of a lot of different coloured stickers circles, we could have the world's biggest game of Twister. <laughs> What in a church? In a church with the entire audience. Move the chairs out of the way. Lay yeah. a couple of lay a few hundred dots on the floor. Get everybody to take their clothes off. Get everybody. And, well, and off we go. Obviously, that's a given. <laughs> and we'll have the it's world's what, biggest game of Twister. It's what the Lord would have wanted. It's absolutely what he would have wanted. Yeah. So we'll do that then. So don't worry about it. You don't need to sing no. or anything. We'll just have the world's biggest game of Twister. In a church. Right. Naked. Genius. I'm ready. Right. H, naked in the chapel. Yeah. Can, can, yeah. On two reds, a green and a yellow. <laughs> can I keep my headphones in? Of course you can. You need to hear what's going on. <laughs> I will see you on Saturday. Right. Look forward to it. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, once again. I'm looking out of my window at a snow-covered village green. It's very festive. I wonder if it'll stay stay there for the for the show on Saturday. I hope so, because it's, it's a really wintry scene, man. Um, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Have yourself a merry little Christmas and all of that. And I'll have a very special guest for uh, the next podcast. Not the live one from Oxford, obviously. I'll have Anthony, who is very special. But for the next proper podcast, um, not that the not that Anthony's not proper, uh, even though he did say that Bill Nye uh, plays a washed-up rocker and reminded reminded him of me. Um, but anyway, um, I'll have a special guest for the next pre-recorded podcast uh, to celebrate the festive season with me. And I'm hitting stop there. That went on a bit. <laughs> She's older than me. I don't care about them talking. Why can't they see? I've got all that I need. All the pretty young things. Seems suddenly boring When our fingers touch All the years fall away Every line on her face Is a place and a memory And still she's prepared To tell me she'll stay She's older than me She showed me a heaven 
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.